This is Weather Jazz. Here's your host, Andre Bernier. Hi, everybody. What an exciting day because today is episode number 100. It's a pretty decent landmark here on Weather Jazz. This is the quote-unquote second season since the restart. That's 100 episodes in about a year's worth of time, and we hope by the end of 2020 we'll have 200. We'll have to wait and see, but certainly there's no lack of subject matter when it comes to weather science and when you add an occasional anything, including the kitchen sink. Well, today we've saved a pretty decent topic for episode number 100, It is the Winter Weather Outlook Revisited. Naturally, we have two of those months under our belt. And what did we learn from that? And what can we anticipate then going ahead? If you missed the Winter Weather Outlook on Fox 8 last week, this is the Weather Jazz episode you'll want to listen to because we go into much greater depth as to the reasons why we're thinking what we're thinking and basically what are some of those things that we look at. Scott Sable is the morning meteorologist here at WJW Television in Cleveland, and he joins me for this episode. Here is our conversation from this morning. Hey there, Scott. Good to have you this morning. Glad to be with you this morning. Yeah, it was an interesting morning already weather-wise. I came in this morning, it was like 57 degrees, no jacket, and I'm thinking, oh boy, this isn't good. (laughs) And now it's 35. I know. I woke up this morning in the middle of the night uh, to grab a couple of saltines. I think it was probably around three or four in the morning. I looked at the thermometer and went, wow, it's almost 60. Yeah, it's crazy, this pattern that we're starting to get into now, which shows, uh, and we'll get into this, you know, more so here in a few minutes, but um, this, um, you know, these panhandle storm tracks, which, you know, cause all these big fluctuations in temperature and, um, you know, and and that rain-snow mix and and everything else that goes along with it. It'll be interesting to see what happens here the next several days and, and, um, and beyond. Well, obviously, we're talking about uh, today the rest of the winter forecast. We highlighted that on the air. For those not in the Northeast Ohio market, we have a lot of listeners all across the country. Uh, This is going to be a little more specific to the Ohio Valley, but obviously it has implications everywhere across the country. So let's review what we've had so far, what we got right what we didn't get right, and why then the adjustment going into the back half, which usually there is some kind of adjustment because there are things that you simply don't catch. Right. So let's December and January so far. I think December was uh, pretty much uh, a hole-in-one. We forecasted near normal, even slightly above normal temperatures, and really not a whole lot of snow. And that's exactly what happened. We ended up with uh, about two, three degrees above normal. But January, January was the big surprise. Let's talk about January and what went wrong. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we figured this was going to be a backloaded winter back in late October when we put our winter outlook together, like you were saying. And we figured early early on, uh, back in late October, early November, that, all right, well, you know what, we'd start to see some sort of shift in January. In other words, all the variables that go into our outlook, and and um, there, there's a, a laundry list of them, and we really 
thought that this was going to be a January where we'd have some some blocking, meaning high pressure over Greenland. We'd have a, a favorable pressure pattern over the northern Pacific. All of those different components and a favorable Arctic on top of all that, that would allow for more sustainable cold across the, you know, the Ohio Valley, the Great Lakes, and the eastern half of the country. And none of that materialized. And, you know, we were looking forward and looking forward and looking forward, and it just didn't happen. Um, you know, and, and here we are in February on this recording, February 4th, and we're still kind of waiting. Yeah, there were pieces and parts that were in place. Right. Uh, unfortunately, those pieces and parts weren't enough to overcome some of the things that were preventing the cold air from coming in. And case in point, well, first of all, we had the uh, warmer water. It wasn't super warm, but it was warmer water in the Gulf of Alaska. Generally, that pushes the ridge north into Alaska, keeps Alaska warm, shoves the cold air into the northern uh, United States. But this year, Alaska was heinously cold. Uh, and it stayed that way for much of the state. In some cases, record-breaking January uh, cold. It was, yeah. And you see, and if you do a, uh, and I'm going to post this on my weather blog too, probably later on next week. But if you do, the pressure, what we call pressure anomalies, you know, above and below normal. You're right. Alaska had the perpetual low pressure, even in the British Columbia and far western Canada, had this perpetual low pressure and the high that would normally deflect the cold east that would, you know, in, in those cold winters that would normally be up over Alaska was completely flattened out. Um, you know, it was it was there, but it was thousands of miles further south. Um, you know, and you're right. It just, it was a, it was a very, and once a pattern gets locked in like that, you know, it's very difficult to, to, to really break that pattern for it to do a complete 180. So we had cold air in Alaska and we also had excessively cold air, record breaking cold in parts of Siberia. I posted a photo and in fact, uh, Listeners to this podcast may want to go to my other website, uh, AndreBernier.com, and scroll down uh, a few days ago. Uh, I think well, it was more like seven days ago now. I posted a picture of a thermometer in Yakutsk. In and it was 71 below zero. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, that's honestly in a, in a weird way. That's kind of on my bucket list. I'd love to go visit one of those places. My wife won't go with Don't, me, but that's beside the point. Um, um, yeah, I was going to say, even you know, as much as, as I enjoy visiting quirky weather places, um, I'll let you do that one. Right, right, right. But yeah, you're right. Yakutsk was one of those places, um, one of the cold icebox, I mean, really Siberian icebox. They were well below normal, too, or temperature-wise. Um, one quick note, too, and, and you were talking about, we were talking about some of the warmer water up over the Gulf of Alaska. We've also noticed recently that some of that warmth is actually shifting, and it's some of the water is actually cooling down a little bit and we're we're starting to I know I'm jumping ahead here but we're starting to notice maybe a little bit of a shift in in where the warm and cold pools are that might maybe give us a telltale sign of what's coming up very soon okay and let's go ahead and, and then move ahead uh, for those that missed the rest of the winter forecast we obviously uh, highlighted the December hole in one but we highlighted the January miss. We said, okay, warmer than normal. And now Cleveland uh, proper at about almost a two-foot 
snowfall deficit, and that's almost where we were last year at this time. Mm -hmm. Uh, So let's jump ahead. I think that things have changed, but the parameters, all of them are not in sync. It's kind of a, a kind of a interesting potpourri of parameters, some of them indicating, OK, we're going to cool down some. But there are other indications that uh, that the cold air will be fought against in entering into the U.S. So we went with a more normal February, which, of course, compared to January is going to a normal February is going to feel cold. Sure, Let's sure. Just go ahead and admit that. I think we'll be in a better position to add to a little more snowfall. But will we catch up? I don't think we're going to catch no. up to normal. But uh, but I think we'll have the opportunity to start to see some of the snowfall numbers come up and may last into March, and March may end up being a little below normal in the temperature department. I think we'll have a tough time getting spring started here. Yeah, absolutely. What say you? Right. Oh, I totally agree with you. You know, we talk about that backloaded winter, um, you know, and, and February will end up being normal. We're also noticing, and we're seeing it right now, actually today, this this prevailing, um, and it will be a, a prevailing storm track, panhandle storm track, where most of the cold the real serious stays the western half of the country some of that tries to move into the ohio valley and great lakes and then the you know the above normal temperatures stay in the in the southeast so you have that almost like that bermuda high or that that uh, southeastern high that'll be one of the uh, one of the main drivers of bringing these systems right out of the southwest it was interesting because i was just looking uh, and we talk about this 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 winter not really having a significant you know big time el nino or la nina signature which would mean you know a lot of warmth right along the equatorial pacific but what we've noticed is that there has been some warmth but it's been mainly near the international dateline and a lot of times when that happens it's it, it can be classified one of two ways either it's a central based el nino or what we call a madoki el nino two different el ninos but they they look almost similar when you just glance at it and we've had that signature a lot during the winter it hasn't been technically an el nino but it's been on the warm side of neutral and when you factor in all the years now again this is a waiting a w-e-i-g-h-t waiting um exercise here but when you take all the el ninos all the strong ones even all the neutral ones and semi-neutral ones um heading into february and march usually you end up seeing some sort of southeastern ridge southeastern high pressure on the east coast and we're starting to see that pattern developing here with that panhandle storm track so you know it's it's possible maybe that little bit of warmth that we have over the equatorial pacific might be one of the one of the ingredients that's going to be you know really shaping up to be um shaping this this backloaded winter up to be potentially more more snowy and more of a wetter snow type setup the storm track very similar to the last couple of years yep. and uh, one of the interesting things to note is that while cleveland is running about a foot and a half below normal right now in snowfall prorated for today's date youngstown is near normal which right. is kooky and a lot of places to the south because of that storm track which is uh, parked just to the south just enough to give youngstown columbus parkersburg uh, uh, charleston west virginia pittsburgh uh, with snowfall totals that are running a little closer to normal than cleveland 
Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, New England was hit really hard with Remember, Boston was hit with an early um, snow event. I think that was in November or December. New England's been well above normal. The northern Great Lakes, Chicago West, northern central U.S., well above normal. But you're right. I mean, the storm track is is almost identical. When you look at the snowfall anomalies from last year to this year, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of comparisons. But, yeah, that Youngstown one and that Pittsburgh one, I'm looking at that thinking that those numbers hack can't be right. But sure enough, they're, they're, they're right, which goes to show you that we're really close and have been very close multiple times from getting hit with some, some, some snows. We have just stayed on the warm end of things, and it just hasn't happened just yet. Yeah, we're in a donut hole, and it's right. the same donut hole that we've seen. And I'm going to say at least two, if not three years, we've seen right. this, this donut hole right over – uh, northern Ohio, which is kind of curious thing. It's how typical is it to see the same donut hole develop in the same areas for right. that many years in a row? Right, absolutely. And, you know, it's something that we'll have to watch here in, in the next couple of winters as well. Um, one thing I'm going to be watching for sure for this February and early March pattern, the next four to six weeks, you had mentioned that, um, you know, the, 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 the ridge in the Gulf of Alaska, some of the computer projections over the next two weeks are showing that ridge starting to develop over Alaska. Mm-hmm. You know, we're starting to see more of the northern Pacific, something like one of the components more favorable for cold. But the other elements that are out of sync are in the northern Atlantic. You know, we talk right. about that Greenland block, right? You get mm-hmm. high pressure over Greenland and it just, everything gets locked in and, and, and it just, the cold just drains. Th- that hasn't happened either. I mean, there has been absolutely no Greenland block whatsoever and what we call the North Atlantic Oscillation, which is, you know, the, the pressure pattern index that shows the pressure patterns in that, in, in that area. It is almost off the charts positive over right. the next week to week and a half. So you got one saying, eh, forget about it. The other one saying, hey, hold on. Maybe there's some cold here, some conflicting signals in the next couple of weeks. That seems to indicate that while we do start to see some periods of colder weather here in northeast Ohio, number one, it's not going to be supremely Arctic cold or right. eye-watering cold. And number two, those cold air dumps, which will occur are only going to last two to three days at a time and then move to the east. Right. And that's why we're forecasting near normal for February as opposed to above normal or below normal. It looks like it'll be a fairly typical, almost a a boring February. Right, right, when you compare it to years past. But certainly, uh, like you said, a normal February uh, is going to be is going to feel like above normal because we really didn't have much of a January here in northern Ohio. I also think, too, with these panhandle storm tracks, we have a higher probability of seeing big temperature swings. You know, we could have a day like today where we were in the 50s and 60s yesterday, and then we go back down into the 30s over a 24 hour period as these, you know, warm fronts kind of oscillate and move back and forth. One more thing I think we need to talk about uh, is the potential for a big March snowstorm here. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, a few of our colleagues have been monitoring uh, the, uh, the the similar pattern that seems to be taking shape. Now, it's not perfectly identical, but seems to be pointing to a similar uh, situation of, of a giant uh, panhandle hook low that gives the East Coast, including Ohio, 
a huge dump of snow in the month of March. Uh, we think back to the uh, 1990s when we had that big snowstorm mm-hmm. that rode from Alabama and pushed all the way into New England. Right. Uh, some of the heaviest snows were actually to the east, but we still ended up with eight, nine, ten inches in a lot of uh, a, a lot of Northeast Ohio. Uh, certainly, that is something to watch. What are you seeing uh, in all those indices? You know what? You, you hit the nail on the head, too. The The southern branch of the jet that goes down through uh, the deep south um, and it starts to kind of kind of shift back up to the up into New England is something that um, it started showing up a couple of weeks ago. Um, I still think there's a high potential of that happening. Now, whether or not it occurs, you know, it remains to be seen. But, you know, it was 1993. I think we had one in 96. I think there were a couple of them in the 2000s, too. You know, the models are starting to point to that now. And, you know, what the Panhandle storm track doesn't necessarily mean um, that, like you said, the storm systems will continue out of the panhandle. If you start getting a push of cold air further south, that might just augment the jet stream enough to allow for something to develop off the East Coast. So, um, yeah, I mean, there, there's that, that potential. I think it's higher this year than it has been, in, at least in recent years. Right. And uh, that could um, allow the snowfall, the final snowfall tally to be brought up to normal because it's going to take a lot at this stage to bring the snowfall uh, up to the normal seasonal value, which at this time of year, the 30-year average is now 66 inches. Right. But uh, in order to get 66, we're going to have to start seeing snowfall in February and have an above-normal snowfall in March. A possibility? Yes. A surety? No. At this stage in the game, we'll have to wait to see what that jet stream does. Right. Absolutely. And I always tell people this because we always get comments on Facebook about forecasting. And I always say the, 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 the components that go into our anybody's daily forecast, whether you're in Cleveland or Los Angeles or somewhere around the world, the components and the variables that guide your forecasts and weather forecasts 12, 36, 48, 72 hours out are completely different than a seasonal outlook or an outlook that, that, you're, that you're creating for two and three weeks down the road. It's an apples and oranges comparison. So when we do seasonal outlooks like this like you said andre it it it, we look at larger scale drivers and it looks like this year might be you know might be one of those years where we do see that now you know you do the numbers and and i know on 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 our outlook uh that uh you um uh debuted back on friday you you gave a range and it was 53 to around 65 inches at the end of the year and so a lot of people are going well wait a minute if we end up with 53 inches and we're maybe around 20 now that means we'd have to have 33 inches of snow from now which is early february through the end of march and people are like well that's a lot of snow is that a record and i was doing the numbers and we've had maybe 10 years or we have had more than 20 inches of snow in march in the last 70 years so it's not it's it's certainly uncommon but it's not as uncommon as what people think you know you get you get a quick little dump of on of snow and you know the, our number seasonal snow number here which is say 18 to 20 could easily be up into the 30s and 40s to finish out february into early march certainly possible and i certainly don't mean to bust anybody's bubble but april can have some pretty decent snowfalls <laughs> as well yes yes it can All right. Well, we're going to continue to watch uh, as the rest of the season unfolds. 
Uh, Scott, uh, for those of you who are unaware uh, and outside of the Cleveland market, Scott is our morning meteorologist on WJW. And if you ever visit Cleveland, make sure you tune him in and uh, tune us all in. We've got a great weather team and uh, we'll keep you apprised of what's going on. Uh, And Scott, when we wrap things up, when the winter is all set and done and we start looking towards summer, let's do it again for the summer weather outlook. Not as exciting as the winter, right? Uh, but uh, nonetheless, there are some summer weather parameters that uh, we'll look at, like severe weather and 90-degree days and, and things of that nature. So we'll look at that uh, when we get into early May. How does that sound? Definitely looking forward to it. I'll have a bunch of summaries, too, on the winter on my weather blog. Uh, you can find it online at Scott's World of Weather. If you Google it, you'll find it. And I'll post, post a bunch of stuff here later on this week uh, showing some of the stuff we talked about here and try to give you some temporal and some spatial perspective on the winter. Well, the, the, the first half of the winter anyways, and, and of course, our, our look ahead as well. And what I'm going to do, Scott, is post a link to your blog on weatherjazz.com, episode number 100. Oh, wow. Yeah, I saved this one for the big uh, second half of winter uh, forecast. Uh, I had a few others that I could have done. I thought, no, I want to save number 100 for this one. And uh, so uh, I'm going to have that, uh, your link, on episode number 100, weatherjazz.com. And so if you forget what it was, just go to weatherjazz.com and the the link will be there. Looking forward to it, Andre. Thanks again. Thanks again for having me. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Weather Jazz number 100. And please remember, you can always check out some of the extra material that I post on weatherjazz.com. And also another shameless plug, I post regularly and daily on my other website, andreburlinger.com, all kinds of weather science items and things that tickle my fancy. So bookmark both and visit them often. If you have a podcast aggregator, make sure you subscribe to Weather Jazz so that you'll get the latest episodes anytime we release them. And they'll be uh, perhaps up to one, two, three per week as we go forward into 2020. Have a great rest of your week.